being 10 years old, we didn't, and so we built, we didn't get any permits, we didn't hire an inspector, we just wanted to see if we could do it. And so we built this ugly looking ramp. Now a wise person would have thought, you know, let's test this on a non-living option, but we had a better idea. We had our friend's little brother Kyle, and that dude would do anything. So we hyped him up. We put him on the nicest bike that we own. We were like, let's go, Kyle. You could see him coming down Duke Road with every single piece of velocity he could. And you could see the look on his face. He believed he was going to make it. But the second his front tire hit that ramp, it exploded into a million pieces. His bike went one way. His body went the other way. I, man, I thought to myself, guys, we kill Kyle. We're never going to build ramps ever again. This is it, guys. Luckily, he did survive, had a broken collarbone, but that's another story. But in the aftermath, we were cleaning up the million pieces of wood, and we realized that in our haste, we built our ramp using rotten wood. And as a result, the second that that ramp began to be strained, it blew apart into a million pieces. I learned a lesson that day that if you don't take the time to build something right, if you don't take the time to build something quality, and the second it begins to get strained, surely it will crumble. I think that the same thing is right with our spiritual life, that if we don't take the time to build it right, if we don't give it the attention it deserves, if we don't use quality materials, there's a chance that when the storms of life come your way, it will crumble. So I think it's important that we spend some time considering how do we build on a firm foundation. The Christian life is not just a set of beliefs. It's belonging to an unshakable kingdom. So I want to take some time to stop and consider that today because there's a chance that you're here and maybe you've been shaken. There's a chance that in the the season of COVID and all the wildness that has happened in these last couple of years, there's a chance that your foundation has been shaken up a bit. There's a chance that the loved one did not get better and you're asking some big questions right now. Or the chance that the job that you thought was so secure turned out to not be secure. And you're asking some big questions right now. Life can be a pretty shaky thing. But here's the comfort. Jesus knew that there's going to be things in life that leave us shaken. He knew how damaging that kind of thing could be to us. And so he waves a way forward and he helps us see how we can get there. So if you've got your Bible, we're going to look at Luke chapter 6, verses 46 to 49. If not, I'm going to have it up on the screen here. But the text we're looking at comes from a researcher in Jesus' time who wrote a biography about Jesus. And he interviewed all of Jesus' friends and the people who were there, and he wrote down some of the primary things that Jesus said, taught, and did. And we're going to look at one of those things. So let me set the scene. Jesus has just come off the mountaintop where he had an amazing experience with a couple of his close disciples. And when he comes down, he's met by this humongous crowd, and he begins describing to them what the kingdom of God looks like. He says things like, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And blessed are you who hunger now, for you'll be satisfied. Boy, I I could picture people clapping, saying, amen, woo. If there ever was a time to make a sign-up sheet and come join our church, that would have been the moment. But listen to how Jesus closes his sermon instead. He says this beginning in verse 46. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when the flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it. 
because it had been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built the house on the ground without any foundation and the torrent burst against it and immediately it collapsed and the ruin of that house was great. It's a pretty simple but powerful story. Two dudes build houses. One of them dug a foundation and it stood. The other one didn't and it got destroyed. When we slow down, you begin to read between the lines, you realize Jesus is also saying something else. That there is a way to live an unshakable life. That we don't have to always have this constant, rocky, back-and-forth relationship with Jesus. That there's a way to stand firm in the middle of whatever you are going through. Aren't you? I, I want that. And so if that sounds like you on some level today, we're going to go through four things, that I, uh, four ideas that maybe help you grasp onto unshakable faith. The first thing we learn from Jesus' teaching is that, number one, we've got to listen and act. Jesus described the wise builder as the one who heard his words and acted on them. If you want to have unshakable faith, you've got to put yourself in position where you can hear God's instruction. I'll give you an example of how this works. Kind of frustrating now that I have kids, but I can remember a time when my parents would yell from the upstairs, Andrew, wanting to get my attention. And instead of like a normal, respectable human being, what would I do? I'd yell back, what? Andrew, what? And we go back and finally, I'd be like, oh my goodness, march my way up the stairs. What do you want? It's time to go take out the garbage. I'm like, oh, that's all it was, man. That's simple. But I learned in those moments, uh, and it's, again, now that I have kids, the Lord is kind of bringing that back on me. So uh, I'm sorry, Dad, Mom. <laughs> but I learned in those moments that it wasn't until I moved closer to their voice that I could understand them clearly. For some of us, I think that's where we need to begin today. That for some of us, there's a chance maybe we're not even in the same room as Jesus anymore. It may be the noise of Facebook or TikTok or Instagram and those voices have gotten so loud that it's been really hard to hear Jesus. That sounds like you. Then then I encourage you, would you take a moment today and kind of check your spiritual location, find out where you are. What are the voices that need to be turned down in this particular season of your life? What adjustments could you make right now today that might increase your chance of hearing from Jesus today? God is continually speaking, but the question is, are we, are we listening? Are we getting close to his voice to find out? Maybe in the middle of your unshakenness, you're beginning to ask really, really hard questions that you really need answers to. Maybe you're asking things like, you know, what, what actually happens when I die? What am I really on earth for? What does it really mean to be a good person? I encourage you today, if those are beginning to bubble up inside of you, put yourself in a place and with a person who can help you answer those questions clearly. That maybe those deep longings of the heart, there's a God out there who wants to answer those for your soul. And if just by putting yourself in a position to hear him better, you might receive those answers you desperately need. If we want unshakable living, the first and easiest step is to put ourselves on a collision course with God. Here's the disturbing reality, though. Our shaky faith usually isn't the result of just poor listening. It's the result of poor obedience. Crazy, when you look at the parable, both people had access to hearing the teachings of Jesus, but only one person acted upon it. I think it's possible for for a Christian, for the people in the Christian life, to confuse knowledge about Jesus with obedience to Jesus. We can come to church, we can have all the awesome Bible answers locked and loaded, we can say the right things, even hear from God in His prayer and word, but if we fail to apply it to who we are, then our spiritual home is bound to collapse when tough times come. 
Jesus didn't invite us to just know his teachings. He invited us to live the way that he lives. Because he knows that when we do that, we live according to the blueprint of how we're supposed to function. You live according to the design. You get to experience all the features and not the bugs. So if that sounds like you today, maybe it feels like you know things about Jesus, but you haven't learned. I, I encourage you, pick one thing and try it. Jesus uh, seemed to model radical generosity. Would you try and be generous for 10 days and see if Jesus doesn't change your heart in the process? Jesus modeled radical forgiveness. Would you try forgiving three people this week and see if Jesus doesn't change your heart in the process? Don't just know about what he says. Try what he says and see if God will move you in the process of doing so. If you want the unshakable life, you've got to first listen and do what Jesus says. Second thing that Jesus invites us to is to dig deep. I don't know about you, I'm fully capable of doing something with half the amount of effort it deserves. For example, when, when I read that whole pray for your enemies things, I gave that half effort. <laughs> there were times when my prayers for my enemies weren't that great. I say, Lord, bless Tommy. Let his pants catch on fire while he sleeps. Let him fall down an escalator and just keep falling and falling and falling. I knew what God wanted me to do. I just didn't want to do it well. I was afraid that maybe in my prayers, God would actually bless Tommy and God would change my heart towards him. And I didn't really want that at that, point, that moment. I began realizing that I think I loved my anger more than I loved Jesus' forgiveness. And in doing so, I closed off this whole below-the-surface part of who I was to the Lord. And when I started to think about it more clearly, I said, you know what, God, I, what I really wanted was I wanted God to transform the flashy parts of who I was. God, make me a better preacher. Make me a better leader. But this grudge-holding part, no, I don't have access to that God. And as a result, I stifled my relationship with the Lord. The wise builder knew that surface-level commitment does not produce long-lasting transformation. The wise builder knew that if he was going to build something deep, he was going to build something that lasted forever and ever, that generations beyond him could see, it took uh, time doing important and unseen work. If we want to live the unshakable life, we've got to dig deep and give God access to the deepest parts of who we are. For some of us, it's going to mean asking some really hard questions. Like, God, do I actually trust you're going to take care of me and my family? Or am I trusting in my own ability? God, what are the things I worship more than you today? Because I'm thinking I'm beginning to find some. God, what's that sin that I've been holding on to that I don't want anybody to know about, that I haven't let anybody have access to yet? God, what's that sin that if I just move past it, I might experience freedom in you? be honest, I think this is kind of a scary thing because for some of us, we've gotten so comfortable hiding those hidden parts from God that we think he's forgotten about it. We think, oh, we, we finally tricked him. He's finally, asked, forgot, he's finally stopped asking about the things that are in my closet. Can I tell you today as a word of encouragement, that place that you may be afraid to give Jesus access to, he has the best plan for. But if you want to experience Jesus in an amazing way, maybe the next stage in that process is giving him access to that part of who you are and watching him transform it and so you can see his amazing work. If you go to a doctor and you're not honest about your symptoms, you're never going to get the cure for your sickness. If you want unshakable faith, you've got to give God access to the deepest and most realest parts of who you are. You've got to dig deep just like the wise builder. The third thing is you've got to expect the storm. I think one of the wild things that when we read this story, we often overlook is that both the wise builder and the foolish builder both experience the storm. 
We've got this weird expectation sometimes that if you follow Jesus, you're never going to experience storms, and that's false. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. The Christian life isn't stormless, but it is stormproof. Expecting life to be stormless is a really bad strategy for how things go. People who expect life to be stormless don't really have a clear picture of what sin is. It's not just the bad decisions that we make. It's a curse that's stricken the fabric of the universe. Disease, famine, wild things that happen is not just because of bad decisions people make. It's because sin is in the environment around us. But it's going to be defeated in the powerful reign of Christ. And so we need to build a spiritual life that expects sin but trusts that it's going to be defeated. The wise builder knew one day a storm is going to come and so I'm going to dig deep now. The wise builder knew there's going to be days where things are going to get really bad on the surface and something deeper than that is going to have to anchor me to the ground when nothing else will. You know, it's pretty crazy. The first thing that often flies off on a house in a storm are the decorations. The exterior things that are meant to make the house look good, but when the wind and the rain pick up, they're some of the first things that fly off the house. I say that to say you may not look pretty on the day that your storm comes. You may not have a big smile. You may not even have it all together. But if you spend time and dig deep and build a quality foundation in your relationship with Jesus, your house will not topple over. Decorations can be replaced. Bad foundations have to be rebuilt. I don't know about you. I want a storm-proof foundation that does not topple over when things get bad. Here's a crazy thing, though. There's a chance that storms actually make your foundation stronger. Okay, follow me here. I'm about to get super nerdy. I was listening to a podcast about concrete a little while back. I know you're thinking, what type of nerd listens to a I'll tell you, this type of nerd right here. Turns out in 79 AD, so this is pretty close to the time of Jesus, they would have been using similar concrete. This guy named Pliny the Elder made this observation, random why it survived, but made this observation about Roman concrete. It says, as soon as it comes in contact with the waves of the sea and is submerged, it becomes a single stone mass, impregnable to the waves and every day stronger. Turns out when scientists began looking at the, the concrete that they were used in Roman times at that point, he was right. That the minerals used in Roman concrete actually got stronger when the storm surge came into the harbor. It's actually twice as strong as the concrete that we use uh, in our city of Boston. What if the storm you're experiencing right now isn't destroying the house? What if it's cleaning it and making your foundation stronger? If that's the case, then don't look for a life that's absent of storms. Look for a life that that is bringing strength hidden in the shape of a storm. Storms come. That's a natural part of life. But storm-proof, unshakable faith is made by daily decisions to follow Jesus every single moment. Fourth thing is this, is you've got to stand firm. Crazy, both stories end with amazement, the destruction and the wise builder. If you ever watched the Weather Channel, they have total shows that are dedicated to the destruction that happens after a storm. And it's kind of this weird thing in human tendency. It's like watching a car wreck. You just can't help but look and watch and really look at it. But every once in a while, you'll see this one silly-looking house just standing tall in the middle of a totally devastated town. And of course, everyone is stopping. They're looking. They're saying, "Like, what? How did this house survive? What is the way that this stinking little thing survived this wild thing that happened around it?" In a similar way, when the storms of life pass, 
people notice what's still standing amongst the rubble. When the storms of life descend on your life, your unshakable faith will be attractive and invite questions to the people around you. The fact that you're still standing is a testimony to the foundation that you've laid and that reminds people there's an anchor for the soul that's much deeper than anything else they can find on the surface, and that's Jesus. So I say, don't, don't just build your foundation for you. Build it for the people around you. I always read this story, and I always wonder, what did the other guy do? The one whose house collapsed, what did he do after the storm took his house out? I imagine he walked over to the guy with the strong foundation and asked if I could stay a while. And I'm sure over the course of 101 dinners, he asked the questions, what did you do differently? Why did you decide to do this? How did you do this in your way? When you build your foundation deep, you become a pillar for other people to lean on in times of need. I use my, the example of my parents. Our, our home growing up should have had a revolving door on it because people were always coming in and out. And at one point I thought, man, my mom's cooking must be really good. And it is really good if you have it. So I might just sign my mom up for some cooking action. So sorry, mom. But it turns out I think people gravitate towards my parents' stability. My parents spent time digging a really deep foundation, and they didn't seal it off, but instead they put a door on it so that people could come and find rest in our house. And as a result, at our kitchen table, I saw marriages renewed. I saw people healed. I saw people come to know Jesus. I saw people walk away from addictions and difficult things at our kitchen table. Why? Because stability invited them to find Jesus close by. Parents, the way we build our foundations will affect the way our children make their first and second and third draft of their foundation of life. Students, the way you build your foundation will affect the way classmates around you uh, walk around you in difficult times of need. Friends, the way you build your foundation provides opportunities for nieces, nephews, brothers, sisters, co-workers, people around you to see Jesus in a way that they've never seen in another way. So I say dig deep, build an unshakable foundation that helps people around you find Jesus in an amazing way. So as we get ready to close, I'm going to invite you to pray with me. If you want unshakable faith, that there's a place where you can find it. That there is a God of the universe who loves you and will give you the stability you're looking for. All you've got to do is turn your attention in his direction. Maybe you're here today and your spiritual foundation has been torn up a bit. Maybe you're here today and there's, there's some cracks that have been exposed at the pressure of COVID and the circumstances around that have put some pressure on your foundation. You're saying, you know what, I'm not the way I once was before, but I know I can be better. Can I trust you? Can I, can I encourage you today? There's a Jesus who just doesn't want to patch the crack. He wants to rebind you together and make you whole. That turning yourself into Jesus' direction will give you the stability you've been looking for and searching for in other areas, but Jesus can do that for you. Or maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know what, I've had a wonderful foundation, but I've sealed it off tight. Can I encourage this morning, would you make some space for a door today? Would you make space for someone to come into your life, someone to gravitate to the good things that God has shown you and get attached to those kind of things? Folks, we serve an amazing God. He does amazing and wonderful things. Would you trust your life to him and see if he doesn't give you everything you need and more? Would you join me in prayer?